DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah State basketball coach Craig Smith. Coach, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are things? Things are good. Probably not as good as they are in the Aggie basketball coach's office, 10-1. and 1. You know, you've kind of been missing a key player well, early in the year. Did you expect 10-1? and 1? Uh, I didn't really know, I didn't really know what to expect except for my voice to be hoarse. Uh, uh, you know, just kind of went into the season with a, with an open mind, obviously very high expectations, um, for us this year. And that's a great thing. Um, but with Kada, you know, with his knee injury, we weren't sure exactly, uh, what his timetable was going to be, when he was going to be back. And obviously there's just so many things that go into it with the doctor giving clearance and your athletic trainer and not only those two pieces, then, then Kate up being mentally ready to go uh, and obviously physically. So uh, obviously we're excited where we're at. Um, uh, we played pretty good basketball and, and we got a tough swing coming up here with our next three games in particular. And um, starting with BYU, who's playing uh, as good as basketball as anybody in the country right now. So you mentioned that BYU game. Obviously, that's going to be at the Jazz home floor on Saturday evening. I think 6 o'clock is the start time. Looking forward to that game. What's the status of your big man going forward? Uh, it's really day by day. You know, he didn't play last night, and he could have. Um, so, you know, we expect him to be out there ready to roll. But at the same time, it's just a day-by-day process with him. Obviously, he just got clearance to play his first game uh, on last Saturday against Fresno State uh, on a limited basis. And so, um, you know, the next day he didn't have any swelling and everything looked good. So that was a great sign for us. So we're just taking things day by day with him. That's not cliche. That's just where he's at um, with this process uh, on the way back to being full strength. So you got BYU coming up this weekend. Obviously, they've had the coaching change, and I wonder what you see that they're doing differently. I think anybody who watches a little bit sees, wow, defensively, this is uh, much better than Old Nevada to 42 points for a team that often was giving up 75 or 80 points. That's, uh, that's surprising right there. What else have you seen? Well, they just have a little bit of a different style of play. Obviously, we're – I mean, even though we're relatively new – you know, to this whole thing, uh, we did play Utah Valley last year and we played BYU last year. So, um, you know, Coach Pope has done a great job. They have a great coaching staff. They're very well coached. Uh, obviously, Coach Rose is the same way, just different styles. And so, uh, but they're very, very good. You know, they, they, were, they were very good last year and they have returned everybody and they add a guy like Jake Toulson and Yoli Childs comes back after declaring from the, for the NBA draft. So, they have it all. They're defending at a very high level. Um, they have great chemistry and camaraderie. You can tell those guys have been playing together for a while. Um, and, and they can really score in a lot of different ways. When you have a, 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 little, a legitimate NBA player and the only child that can score in so many different ways and just brings them so much versatility because he can score it inside, he can shoot the three, he can handle, he can pass. And when you have a five-man that can do that, but he has the versatility also to slide over and play some four, that really sets up your team. And then Jake Toulson, of course, transfers in, you know, from Utah Valley and 
Kansas offered him, and my understanding is Duke offered him, and da 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 da. And and of course, we played him last year, and we know how good he is. And TJ Haas is very good. They got the transfer from Arizona, so you know they're very balanced. They're playing nine. They're playing eight guys, nineteen or more minutes a game. Um, uh, and they have four guys that are averaging over 10 points a game, and they're shooting 41% from the three as a team. So there's a lot to be said for that. They have great momentum right now, and we're going to have to play very, very good basketball to have a chance to win that game. I view the Aggies this year in the Mountain West as Nevada was last year, coming in off a very successful season the prior year and have a lot of hype. And going forward, I can argue very easily that every team you play for the rest of the season, if they beat you, it's going to be their best win of the season. And they're, so the point being, they're going to come into these games really amped up to play you guys. You're going to catch nobody by surprise anymore. What's it like in terms of having that mental preparation, knowing that going forward, even at the rest of the non-conference, and then you got, you've already played some, but then as you get into the heart of the conference season, you're going to be everybody's p- opponent that they're marking. Yeah, certainly, especially, you know, early we were being ranked in the top 25 and you have all that stuff. And we've taken, you know, it's, it's interesting because going into games, you see teams play this way, that way, the other way, and then they come and play us and we're there, and we're getting a lot of people's best shots. There's no doubt about it. But that's just part of the deal and we have to embrace that. That's part of um, part of that deal. And so you got to be ready to go every night. I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of with our team and our program is is we come in, we play hard, we play unselfish, we play disciplined, but yet at the same time, I think we have a really exciting brand of basketball. Uh, we love to get up and down the floor. We really share the ball, uh, and we play connected. And so uh, I think it's exciting for our fans, and it's been a little bit of a learning curve, although, you know, last year we did finish – uh, winning 17 of our last 19 games, and one of those losses was in the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, on the back half, I think we learned how to handle success and understood how you need to show up every day. And at that point, we weren't really sneaking up on everybody. But it is a little bit different this year, there's no doubt. And on top of that, guys, we've just had kind of a been a bit, a bit of a bizarre year. You know, Kata is out and you're trying to manage that whole thing. And then uh, the guy that was our starting center, Kuba Karwalski goes down with an, you know, has to have an appendectomy. Uh, and he, you know, he's a seven, three, uh, really a big time rim protector moves really well. And so he's out three to six weeks. And so now all of a sudden we're down to our, our quote unquote third string center. who's a, a, a red shirt freshman. And, and, and we've just been managing a lot of different injuries and ailments and, that's part of the deal that every team goes through that, uh, and we're in the thick of it right now. So our guys have done a great job adjusting to being thrown in different positions that maybe we weren't anticipating at the start of the year. Well, if it really gets tough at center, I just throw Sam Merrill in there because it seems like he does everything else. Yeah, I mean, well, why not? Well, we did. We actually did do that a little bit. We threw him in the post a few. <laughs> we thrown him in the post a few times. I'm like, why not? Like. Usually good things happen when he gets the ball. So he was working on his little baby jump hook and uh, dropping dimes out of the post, which was unique to see. But then you look at a guy like Justin Bean, a man, a double-double, almost 15, the thing, the number that jumps out at me, and 15 points is nice. 
but the 12 boards a game. How important has he been for you guys in the absence of the big guys that you just spoke about? Oh, he's been uh, he, he's been phenomenal, and and you know the other night against Fresno, he played 45 minutes, played every second of the game, um, and you don't necessarily plan on that going into the game. It's just kind of how it works out. But you know that guy I told some people the other day he's a cross of you remember the wrestler, the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> you know he had the crazy hair, the makeup on his face. You know he had those straps around his biceps, like. He's kind of a cross of the ultimate warrior and Dick Butkus. Like, he's just everywhere. And um, he, he's just the ultimate Gator guy, uh, incredible competitor. And he has a nose for the ball. And having a nose for the ball, it's like being a great middle linebacker, right? That guy just finds the ball and tackles it. And, and he's an elite, elite rebounder, uh, excellent defender, and his offensive game is really – um, taken off to a whole nother level. And so you could see flashes of that last year with Justin. Um, certainly down the stretch, he was playing a ton of minutes. He was on the floor uh, in the Mountain West Conference Championship game, down the stretch of the game and at the end of the game. And so he embraces what you know Utah State basketball is. And he's a great teammate, and our guys just love playing for him. And he's been huge for our program, certainly at the end of last year and, and obviously this year. You know the three-point shot has been a uh, has just been taken over basketball. Certainly, the last five years, probably trending that way for longer than that. But the last five, it's been incredibly noticeable with what the Warriors have done, and everything gets copied. Kids see pro games on TV. You're shooting twenty threes a game. Is that a number you like? Would you like more than that? Less than that? Uh, it just depends. I don't. You know, I'm probably different than most coaches, where they kind of have a certain way they want to do it and. I just, to me, it just kind of depends on what the game gives you, you know, and, and we like to say our style of play is the winning style. So if that means you, you win 90 to 87 or you have to win 64 to 57, you know, you got to be able to win a lot of different ways. Certainly we want to be able to shoot the three and shoot it at a high clip. Um, but at the same time, if teams are taking that away and we can get to the rim and get fouled, right. Or, or shoot layups all night, you know, we'll take that. So, um, you know, we, we dictate our personnel in a certain way. So, so we have multidimensional guys. Most guys on our team can step out and shoot it and, and shoot it pretty well, but if they're going to overplay that. We'll take what they give us that way. So it just kind of depends on the game, uh, and what there's, you know, Brock Miller last night shot 19 threes by himself. <laughs> and so, uh, which is a school record, but that's what they were giving us. So, you know, he's wide open. We're taking those shots, obviously. So, it just kind of depends on what we're given that uh, against that given opponent. So Sam Merrill does a lot of different things for you. We've already discussed that. The thing that I like about him, and I want to get your comment on it, is his toughness because I see him as just a tough-minded player. Oh, he is. He he is. We could talk for an hour on Sam Merrill, uh, and and he's got all the great shooter and as good as great as a shooter he is. He's an even better passer and and playmaker and just makes the right decision every time. And, uh, but that is what's sneaky about him. He is super, super competitive. Absolutely can't stand losing. And uh, I remember getting hired here. Obviously, anytime you're new somewhere, there's always going to be transition. And we had four or five guys leave our program. And, 
and I met with Sam the first day, of course, and met with his family. Uh, I think that next day, and because uh, I, you know, the the there was a lot of people trying to get trying to get him a transfer, but you know, he grew up an Aggie fan. There's a lineage here with him, and he wanted nothing more than to bring the Spectrum Magic back. And, and, and get Utah State back on the national scene. And all that dude cares about is winning. That's all he cares about. And, and nothing else matters to him. And so how many times do you see he's the most unselfish, quote-unquote, star that I've ever coached. And I've been around some really good players. And, and he, just, he just always wants what's best for the program. There's a lot of guys. You know, he's averaging about 20 a game, just under that this year. But last year in league play, it was over 20 a game, right around five assists a game. And yet, every night out, he wanted to guard the other team's best perimeter players. And nowadays, there's not a ton of guys that want to do that. And I just think that speaks volumes as to where he's at and, um, and just his mentality. And with Sam, whether it's this year or five years from now or ten years from now, nothing will surprise me as to what he accomplishes, whether it's in basketball or the game of life, because he's so smart and so competitive, and he won't accept anything less than the best. Craig Smith, Utah State basketball coach, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You had a half dozen international guys on your roster. Some of them came through uh, community colleges here in the U.S. Some did not. How do you find players from Canada to Australia to Portugal to Poland to Suriname? How does that work (laughs) while you're coaching a team and recruiting across the U.S. and then trying to track all these guys, too? Well, uh, a couple of those guys were here before we got here. Obviously, Namias Keita is from Portugal. Diogo Brito is from Portugal. I think we have two of the three uh, Portuguese players playing Division I basketball. Diogo was recruited by the previous staff, as was Roche. Um, finding Nimi, we caught a break. Obviously, he was being recruited by other schools, but they kind of passed on him. And we were fortunate enough to get him. And I think it helped that Diogo was here just from, you know, there's some familiarity, uh, but they both speak Portuguese. Who knows what they say sometimes uh, under their breath. Um, obviously, we got a guy from Australia and Poland, so on and so forth. And we have to have a great staff. We've done a good job, I think, of, of, of looking under rocks, so to speak, and building good connections and building a great name. I think that's part of it, too, is, is when you travel halfway across the world, wherever you're coming from, you better have a good reputation as a coaching staff of developing players and recruiting great kids and understanding we'll take, you know, we have their best interests in mind. And... and Utah State's a great place that way, right, where we open uh, people with open arms and, and take good care of them. So uh, fortunately for us, it's, it's made a very much of a positive impact for us. And I think in an underlying, in a, in a different sort of way, I think it's really helped our, our chemistry. We have tremendous chemistry in our program. And when you have a, a group of 15 young men from all over the world and all over the United States, um, and, and then about, you know, about five, six Utah kids, and you blend them together. I think it's amazing how you can really accept everybody for who they are and what they're about, and I think that really helps with your team chemistry. As I look at BYU, I think the big advantage that they have this year is they got a bunch of seniors. The last few years, they just haven't had any seniors, guys leaving for 
overseas, guys transferring, whatever the case may be. And this year, they pretty much everybody they run out has experience, if not been in the program, for years. How much more difficult does that make that to play them when they have all this experience? Yeah, it's a veteran group. I mean, when you the only real new, you know, you got the, the Arizona transfer who's got a new lease on life, you know, and Jake Toulson is, is obviously new to the BYU program, but he's a veteran in their system of play, having played for Coach Pope at Utah Valley. And so – uh, it appears, you know, that it's hard to replace that experience. Those guys have been there. They've done that. They're playing with an edge. Obviously, it's a very determined group. And they have a bunch of, you know, uh, they're similar to us in that they have a lot of high IQ guys that really understand the game and they, and they know how to play. And, and when you look at their roster and the way they're built, it, it just makes sense, right? This guy does this and that guy does that and this guy does that. And all of their strengths come together to really gel for the best of the team. And, and, and I think we have that, too. We're not as experienced as those guys overall, but there are some similarities in terms of both programs. And um, just been very, very impressed. And, and I got a lot more film to watch on BYU, but uh, been very, very impressed from what I've seen from them so far. Aggie basketball coach Craig Smith joining us here on The Zone. You know, the NCAA tournament, uh, they – switching up how they do things, RPI is out, and what quad is a team in and all that. Obviously, the number of at-large bids for the non-Power 5 leagues has been shrinking here over the last few years. Do you think you built the schedule to get an at-large bid if you don't get the automatic bid? Uh, yeah, we do well, but you got to win. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to take care of business. There's no doubt that our schedule this year is tougher than last year, and we had one of the best schedules in the country last year. Um, you put the schedule together um, with that thought process in mind, right, and to prepare you for conference play. And so um, when you looked on the preseason, you know, Florida was ranked top five in the country or at least top ten early on. LSU, top 15 in the country. St. Mary's, top 25 in the countries. And BYU is, is really, really good. And, but you don't exactly have a crystal ball as to do – Who's going to do what? Um, South Florida is ranked in the top 40 in uh, preseason. Uh, And so there's a lot of things that go into it. But at the end of the day, you can schedule super tough. But if you don't win, you're not getting in. You know, last year we we beat UC Irvine on the road um, pretty handily. And that ended up being a quad one win for us because it was a road win against the top 70 net um, opponent. So there's a a lot of things that go into that deal. But at the end of the day, like, you have to win games. And, and fortunately for us, so far, we've been able to do that. So who do you think has more hair, Coach, you or T.J. Halls? Uh, T.J., clearly. I mean, it's just harder to tell because his is so blonde and mine's brown. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. We get a lot of – obviously, I'm very falsely challenged. And I had no shot, guys. Like, my dad was bald. My dad's two brothers were bald. My mom's three brothers were bald. My mom's dad was bald. Like, it's just one of those things. I'm the oldest of five boys. All five of us are bald. Like, it's just, I feel so sorry for my kids. They're screwed. But, uh, uh, although my wife's side of the family is okay that way. Um, but, you know, our staff, it's, we, we get a lot of grief. I know they did a big promotion for our Fresno game where they were giving away those, I don't know what you call those things, but, like, basically rubber 
things you put on your head so you look bald. But um, our staff is kind of follically challenged, and our sports information director is, and it just seems like you go, of course, Scotty G um, has some struggles that way as well. So it's kind of like everywhere you look around Utah State, we got we got a lot of bald guys. So uh, it makes it for fun and gives it, uh, we can rib each other at a good clip. No hit. It's beautiful, though, boys. Bald is beautiful. <laughs> That's what I hear. Remember that. Uh, all right. <laughs> no hair, but already 10 wins. So, you know, you're not going to trade those away for hair. You can just make all the jokes yeah, you want exactly. and keep winning. We'll take, we'll take the W's. Take the W's. We'll take the W's. Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll check out the game Saturday. All right. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. Have a great day. Craig, Go Aggies. Craig Smith, Aggie basketball coach, Aggies and Cougars. Saturday at 6 o'clock after uh, Utah and Weber State, the early game on the Pac-12 Network, and both those games at the Vivint Smart Home Arena. Well, he certainly has a lot of enthusiasm for Aggie basketball and the upcoming game that is against BYU this Saturday. That's a terrible impersonation. You're not nearly <laughs> hoarse enough. You need to go outside, scream at the Stockton and Malone statues for two or three hours before you do the show. I'm actually looking forward to this game. Well, why wouldn't you be? In-state? Well, you know, sometimes they get lost with the college football. But we have a little lull here, obviously. Yeah. So, to me, this is a big game. A very, very big game. Because uh, they, I think both teams, certainly the Aggies, but even BYU to an extent have an at- opportunity to earn an at-large berth. There's enough that they've done, enough that they can still do to get that at-large berth. You look at, obviously, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and then you look at the Mountain West, and certainly San Diego State. So if you were to beat them two times, say you beat them two times and then lost to them in the conference final, and the same thing with uh, BYU if they had beaten Gonzaga and St. Mary's and they have like a 3-1 and one record and then lose to either one of them in the final, there's a possibility, a good possibility, that they can both get an at-large bid and this game could be a difference maker, particularly for BYU. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show is coming up next. We'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. For many of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up. But for some of our uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been slacker headlines. Wake up. With DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I do think that this year is kind of a banner year for recruiting. I think they're going to be in a lot more doors. I think just the fact that Van Fillinger from Corner Canyon decommitted from Texas, and then you see Morgan Scally and Kyle Winningham in his home on Sunday night, I think that points positively to some of the things that are going on. That's Riley Jensen earlier this morning on our show. Let's get you caught up on all the stuff we have been talking about. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ramey, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. The Utes, another trip to the Pac-12 title game, an 11-win season. They got a chance for a 12th win, but signing day is before the bowl game, so that won't have that much of an impact here on what's going to transpire in another week, PK. No, I think there's no reason for any kid in state not to seriously consider if not sign with Utah. But if they don't, if they've got other reasons and they want to go fill-in-the-blank place, their choice. 
Oregon, Washington State, Arizona State, Stanford. Arizona State. Uh, don't see any ASU guys. <laughs> Nobody from Utah had a day ASU. Open dream. Or Arizona. <laughs> you know that Arizona, they came out with the All Conference Awards yesterday. I pretty much got them. I told you Zach Moss. Yeah, I said it was either Huntley or Moss. It's Moss. Kyler or Kyler. Tyler. Tyler. Kyle Whittingham as coach of the year. So you were thinking Tyler, and that got you to Kyler Murray, but you meant Kyle. Yeah. I see how that happened. Factor in the Arizona thing here in a right. second. And then, obviously, I, I thought that uh, I would have given Jalen Johnson seriously consideration for – but when you play cornerback, you don't necessarily have the stats if they're not thrown your way. If you're really good, yeah. you don't get stats yeah. because they stay away from you. But I thought he had the most important play of the year was the pick six in Washington when that changed the completely total momentum of the game and gave them the division crown because then they weren't going to lose after that. And they didn't lose after that. And if they had lost that game, then you know maybe uh, SC, if everything plays out, they would have gotten in. But Weaver at Cal had 5 million tackles every time he turned around. So it's good to be a linebacker in yeah, the middle of the field. I mean, he certainly had, and deservedly so. He's... And he's got a rep, too. He's been doing that. I think he's in the bowl game. If he has a decent amount of tackles, I think he sets the record for most tackles ever by a defensive player in any position, I heard. I was listening to watching Yam and Yogi, and I think they said that on the Pac-12 thing. Uh, But Arizona, this is the 40th year that the Arizona schools have been in the conference, and only four times in those 40 years have they not had either a first or second team all-conference player, right? So, what's it, 44 players, I think, uh, involved in that, right? So they don't have one. Plus specialists, so there's probably a few more. But anyway, to your point, yeah. Four years. Three of those times have been in the last four years. Slippage is what you're saying. (laughs) Plumage. Now, you can argue that there's 12 teams to, to fill the slots instead of 10. But still, a guy, offense or defense. First and second. Yeah, and you throw in second team. And so last season, the 18 season, they had the running back, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Nice player who made it. Most likely he made it because Moss missed a bunch of games. And so then this year, again, it was Moss and Benjamin. It was Benjamin and Taylor last year. And then Moss comes back and he's healthy this year, ends up conference MVP offensively. And then Taylor doesn't get in, so nor, nor does he make the second team. So that just gives you an indication of how pathetic, how joyously pathetic Arizona is. You know, they want to be known as no longer the U of A. You're supposed to call them U Arizona. Whatever. <laughs> that stuff never works. Phoenix Radio has just had a field, field day with that. that. Yeah. Because there's a couple of guys on the radio who are ASU guys. And then there's some guys who are from out of state and end up working there, so they don't really carry the way. But the ASU guys are having a field day with the U Arizona thing. Yeah. But that's the nature of their football program. Man, it's really, really. Really just, falling off. Yeah. And that and no one like one of the best Christmas gifts I can have. And no one really expecting anything different next year. They'll be picked on the bottom half of the division. There'll be low expectations for them. Oh, for sure. Doesn't yeah. mean you can't go worse to first because it's been done once, but yeah. right. Good they, luck. Although they do have a, a nice young quarterback, it looks like he's decent. So they have a defense. 
It's been a problem. No, they've just been firing guys left and right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the best defense that we've seen at the U of A or U Arizona has been Sean Miller with the FBI. So I would make Sean Miller, Miller the, the defensive yeah. coordinator. Because <laughs> that guy, he's been deflecting for FBI over, can't touch him <laughs> over a year now. <laughs> right? So what better defense than Sean Miller? Looking forward to Sean Miller in the NCAA when he does his version of male wet T-shirt. Slop sweat everywhere. Come on, guys. You can make this free throw. I know you can. (laughs) Relax. Everybody relax. (laughs) So we talked with Riley about recruiting. It's a week away. We'll see where the top players in the state go, but it looks like the U is going to have a really good year in state. See if there's some more four-star guys. Because it kind of I gotta think that's part of the problem in these big games. Get to the big game. Yeah, your guys have been coached up and are motivated, but against the best teams, have their guys been coached up and motivated? Now, when you're losing to a mediocre UCLA team at home, I don't know that that applies. But man, did Oregon look motivated? Are they so being you think coached it was up? a talent issue? When I when on the broadcast, well, not when the D line's getting run over. That I don't think is a talent issue because I think they have talent on the D line. But on the broadcast, you know, I've talked about receivers for years at the U, and I thought they were much better this year as a group. They were. And Kirk Herbstreet on the broadcast, and you know, they can see stuff that you can't see on TV because you can watch all eleven and TV and tends not the to show you that. I was there. But Kirk Herbstreet multiple times. Oregon does not respect the U receivers until they do. Nothing's going to change with the Oregon defense. <laughs> He said it multiple times, and he was clearly, the way he was saying it, he was surprised that they were focused on stopping a run game. They did not respect the receivers. They did not expect to give up a big play in a passing game. He said it multiple times. Would the U benefit? The group, I think, as a group is good, it would still help to have a number one guy who's an NFL guy. It makes the game easier yeah, for everybody else. I don't know else. that they're ever going to get that. They may not. They may not. Well, well, I but can't you get, say that. But right, but I didn't know they were going to get a— It's hard to get. I didn't know they were going to— They've had a bunch of good defensive backfields, but I didn't know they were going to get a four-star corner out of California who was going to pass on Oklahoma and a bunch of other named schools. Well, yeah, now, but you can see why you would go there. I know, right. And the def- defensive backfield, you can make a pitch that they can't, they can't pitch a receiver. They can't. I get that. Um, but there's still a chance to upgrade the talent. Well, there always is. Right. And is this, having won the last two years, has this given this class, as juniors and seniors, a different, you know, basically, basically you're going to build off these two big years. You're always building, though. I, well, I, you I, you I hope you're always building. I mean, you are. Arizona is not always building, or they wouldn't have had no well, I'm speaking about teamers. Utah. I'm right. not speaking about Arizona. I'm talking about Utah. But it's been trending up for Kyle. You can look at the first three years where there were two losing seasons. You can look at the next three years where there were 9-10 and 10 win teams, but there were no trips to the conference title right. game. And now these last three years, he's got well, two obviously. trips. Right. So Oregon respected ASU's receivers. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> Oregon did not and got beat over the top. But the Utes couldn't beat them over the top. Well, they did once. They did once. I see. I don't think that was it. I don't think they could beat them where it mattered the most in up the trenches, front. right? And if I you can't beat them there on both sides, you're doomed. They can't upgrade the O line because honestly, as much as we talk about how big a surprise that game was defensively, a total shocker. But offensively, to not be able to pick up a fourth and short, that had been a problem some other times during the year. Right, but that's where I think that you have to hope. I was talking with uh, one of our guys here. 
who's an executive in the company uh, at the Christmas party, and he's a big Ute fan. And he was talking about how he's a little nervous about the south end zone being built and redone and all that and mm-hmm. adding the seats yeah. because he sees the trend in college football. Th- well, th- they're going to have a f- some six and six seasons down the line. Uh-huh. And he doesn't think that they, because they've been winning, they think they're all excited and this is the way it's going to be. Well, it's probably not going to be that way every year. Yeah. So you have to hope and plan and hope things come together in a manner that you end up with all your c- key guys at, in the same grade, having played together mm-hmm. and are ready to go. We've talked about what, well, and it happened. We actually, I remember talking about at ASU how they were out of cycle. They had a good quarterback, but the line was brand new. When they had a whole bunch of seniors on the team, they were breaking in a new quarterback. Yeah, it didn't quite. Whereas, get everybody together at the well, same time. Yeah, right. there's their veteran quarterbacks. One started at Virginia, and one started at Memphis because they transferred out. So they end up with three, not one, but three freshmen this year. So now you have to hope that next year gets a little bit better, the year after that gets better, and you, and, you, and you build it. So the point I'm making here is Utah's offensive line, that's not where they had all the seniors. So that was the one question mark and in Oregon the biggest game of the season. Took advantage that of it. That was right. the question mark. Yeah. That was the weakness. So it's hard to get everybody together at the same time. And Well, they did pretty good because – they won freaking 11 games. They went 11-1. and one. And that's why you look at nine years now, you can look at three distinct patterns with Kyle, and he's clearly built it. Each of the three three-year segments is better than the one before it. So are they going to cash in on these last two big years, upgrade the thing, and the next three years are going to be even better? I don't know how much better you get it than 11 and 1. You're going to go 12-0? and zero? Pac-12, What the hell? Pac-12 champion, Rose Bowl, and or playoff. Well, you're always shooting for that, but the, the other guys have talent too, and so then they, they got beat in a singular game. The, and the, 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 Two weeks earlier, the Devils, who the Utes killed, beat them. So it's not like, oh, well, they built up to it, and it didn't happen. And so now, I don't think much is going to change. They'll continue to build, and you'll try to get back. If you don't get back next year, you try to get back the year after. It's a a never-ending process. And I don't expect to see some startling results, nor do I, when I look at their recruiting thing that I saw and they were ranked 12th, I don't think that's legitimate either. Join the big show Friday from 3 to 6. They're going to be at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Your feedback on today's show coming up. DJ and PK, we are two weeks away from Christmas morning. Yes, two weeks from this minute, you will probably be picking up wrapping paper and throwing it away. PK, the question is, will the gift for the missus, the wife, the girlfriend, the significant other, will it have been a success or will it have been a failure? These are the questions all guys face. Help the listeners make it a winning Christmas morning. Okay, I will do that. Indeed, I will do that. I want to tell you about the opportunity to get whoever that special one or people are, the world's softest pajamas from Pajamagram. They are America's PJ experts for over 15 years. And what makes them stand out is the softness and the quality of softer than a bunny. How about that, man? We all understand what that means. Cashmere only better. They've got softness, warmth, and comfort. She'll love the way they feel, and she'll love the way they look. That is a win-win. 
Also for me, what excites me is that every Pajamagram includes free gift packaging. So you don't have to just mangle the gift packaging. They'll take care of it for you. And they also got a lifetime guarantee. So you're risk, you risk nothing. And we're going to guarantee that delivery by Christmas will happen. Absolutely guaranteed. So whoever that hardest person is to shop for, we got you covered. Get your world's softest pajamagrams here. It's simple. DJ will tell you what to do. All right, all you got to do is get on the computer, laptop, iPad, desktop when you get into work, if you're not already there, or on your phone, and go to pajamagram.com. Pajamagram.com. And tell them DJ and PK sent you. DJ and PK, it's time for your feedback, all the stuff you think about today's show. And it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Earlier this morning, it was True Confessions. You cheated versus your wife and Gordon Monson and, and Gordon's wife. You cheated at the Christmas party playing air hockey. I did. The bar was down. You didn't really fully log in and register your card, so they didn't put the bar up to let you play, and they didn't know it. Well, so, I feel like Barry Bonds, though, or Bill Belichick, I didn't knowingly cheat. <laughs> oh, okay. But then I figured it out, yep. and I thought, well, I'm not going to put the card in. I uh, I nearly started a Thanksgiving Brawl with my uh, with my brother at three o'clock before the family came over. That would have been playing. And I deep. knew people who did brawl on over Thanksgiving. Oh, really? Over a Cowboys game. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Scott Scott D. Priest uh, tweets at us. Uh, I got two confessions, guys. Number one, I stole a sign. State playoffs, Dirks Field. I was the DH. I watched their coach all game. Runners on first and second. I tell Cramblet, "How sure are you?" He says. Very, I say. He calls the pickoff play. We run it to perfection and squash the rally and win the game. So you stole a sign. But with your eyes, that's legit. That's, that's not legit. bad. That's legit, yeah. yeah. I did that all if the you time. You can decode signs with your eyes. It's when you start putting cameras out there and TV monitors. That's, Anything electric. That's over the line, right. Electronic. But if you're just sitting in the dugout and you figure it out, that's a them problem. That's totally on them. Right. Yes, that's why you know when I played <laughs> ball, if you played teams a second time, you changed it up. And then the beautiful his second confession. I forgot my tidy whities uh, to a wrestling match. I had to wrestle in rolled up boxers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't top that, but along the same lines, I did forget uh, to bring the right colored jersey to uh, a high school basketball game in a tournament where, you know, on different days you're wearing different colors and all that. So I had to sit in the first quarter. Fortunately, I discovered it pregame because we lived a little ways away from the gym. Had to go to a pay phone and call my parents and then bring the right one over. My coach just looked at me like, you really are a moron. But he did put me in the game once I had the right colored jersey. And then you threw it down once. I did. I broke the backboard as another delay. Left from the free throw line. Of course, obviously. <laughs> Goes without saying. Wave to the cheerleaders <laughs> in midair. Blue kisses. Had the hand by Behind the head, a la Carl Malone. <laughs> All right, two good stories there. Good work, Scott. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh, true confessions. Uh, the kid, Jay Fox, says, "All right, I confess, I still I still cheered against the Cougs, even though it's better for the state when all our teams win." <laughs> uh, I think you were not in the minority there. You got some company. Yeah, it's hard to do. I was at a BYU basketball game when they announced the score of a Utah bowl game. And one of the guys on the bench just looked at me. And I forget if the Utes won or lost. And he just looked at me. 
and just said, I, I know I'm supposed to, but I just can't do it. In terms of cheering, wanting the conference to win when they were in the same conference. Uh, Justin says, as a goalie in high school, I was a dead eye for finding the space between the cup and the pad in hockey pants with my paddle. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't stop a puck to save my life, but I doubled over several people who were trying to screen me. All right. <laughs> That is cold, Justin. Cold! Whatever it takes. Uh, apparently. <laughs> apparently that is true. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Tony and Austin are coming up next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.